This podcast is part of the Acast Creator Network. I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn Jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. Millions of people have lost weight with personalized plans from Noom. Like Evan, who can't stand salads and still lost 50 pounds. Salads generally for most people are the easy button, right? For me, that wasn't an option. I never really was a salad guy. That's just not who I am. But Noom worked for me. Get your personalized plan today at Noom.com. Real Noom user compensated to provide their story. In four weeks, the typical Noom user can expect to lose one to two pounds per week. Individual results may vary. Hello and welcome to The Stand with Amy Dunphy. Now on Tuesday night, the midterm elections took place. In the United States, that is elections that are held in the two years between presidential elections for the Senate, where there is 100 seats, and the House of Representatives, where there's 400 plus seats. And it was thought that with the economy struggling, Joe Biden not appearing to be as robust as necessary to be president, the debacle of Afghanistan withdrawal still in f- fresh in the minds of people and the polls showing that the Republicans could well take the House and the Senate in a red wave. That didn't happen. And what did happen is fascinating, and it is not conclusively decided yet, but to go through all of the dramatic happenings of Tuesday night, including a bad night for Donald Trump. We're joined now by Niall Stanich. Niall is associate editor of The Hill, a very respected Washington newspaper, and also that newspaper's White House columnist. Niall, Tuesday was fascinating. Its outcome remains unclear for reasons you will explain to us, but a number of things became clear. One is Donald Trump is in a bit of trouble in the Republican Party mm-hmm. with the emergence of Ron DeSantis, a 20-point winner for the governorship of Florida. And the other winner, in a way, could be Joe Biden. Democrats didn't do as badly as universally predicted. That's right. Yeah, it was a fascinating election night. And of course, one of the things about election nights is that the voters can often uh, buck the projections or the predictions of, uh, well, of people like me, but also of pollsters and all of that. As you say, it's inconclusive so far because there are a few crucial races that still have not been decided. In the Senate, for example, we know Republicans will have 49 of the 100 seats and Democrats 48. But Democrats have a fighting chance of getting to 50. Um, 
even if that takes until December when there will be a runoff election in Georgia, a 50-50 Senate would give the casting or deciding vote to Vice President Kamala Harris, as is the case now. Uh, In the House of Representatives, it's not even certain, as I speak to you on Thursday morning US time, that the Republicans will take the majority at all. Now, it's more likely than not that they will, but the idea that there was going to be this blowout in the House and Republicans were going to end up with a 20 or 30 seat majority uh, has not happened. And so it was a really fascinating, fascinating night. Yes, and uh, the analysis is now beginning and there may be many reasons, but one of them was the abortion issue, which the Supreme Court overturned the Roe v. Wade judgment of 1973, mm-hmm. which allowed women the right to choose, really, and since was seen to be, and in fact, one of the judges who reneged on a, something he said in his confirmation hearings at the Senate, that it was set, a settled matter, mm. Roe v. Wade, therefore abortion was available to women. When that was overturned by the Supreme Court two or three months ago, it was a big moment, wasn't it? And an unexpectedly big moment, perhaps. Yeah, I mean, it was a huge moment in the sense that, I mean, it was the most seismic action that the Supreme Court has taken in many years, striking down the constitutional guarantee to abortion and thereby making it a state matter. And, you know, obviously conservative states more likely to ban it outright or to impose very restrictive limits around it. But to the point about its political impact, some people before these elections had posited the idea that uh, it would perhaps fade as an issue or perhaps the memory of the uh, Roe v. Wade decision being overturned would not be as sharp as thought. Those people were wrong by all accounts. And just to give you one example, I mean, there are exit polls conducted here when people ask voters who have already voted, uh, you know, on their way out of polling places or whatever, about their views. And Georgia, the Georgia Senate race is one of the closest in the nation. And as I say, it will go to a December runoff. Georgia, or sixth, I think. Well, it's in early December in any event. The, um, the the issue in Georgia, uh, or the, the the point in relation to abortion in Georgia, is it's obviously a southern state. It would be perceived as a fairly conservative state. But when voters in Georgia were asked what was the single most important issue to them, uh, abortion was ranked second, quite narrowly behind uh, inflation. 26% of all voters believed that abortion was the most important uh, issue in determining their vote. And they broke uh, three to one for Raphael Warnock, the Democratic incumbent yes. who favors abortion rights. So that's just one snapshot of this bigger picture where abortion was uh, very important. Yes. And while we're on Georgia, when this runoff takes place, it will be between Warnock and Herschel Walker, mm-hmm. a former NFL footballer mm-hmm. who supports the Supreme Court ruling, but who, it emerged, had, you know, not forced, but suggested that two women he'd been involved with in his past get abortions. Mm-hmm. That was the charge that rather undermined his position. And we don't know, I, I don't know how sure we can be, but the point I... Mm-hmm. I'm getting at here is that he will be running off against Warnock, who is a reverend, isn't he? 
He is, and not only that, he is the head pastor in the church in Atlanta where Dr. Martin Luther King was once the uh, head pastor, Ebenezer Baptist, very historic black church in Atlanta. And that runoff, I mean, it could decide who controls the Senate. It probably will decide, Niall. Mm -hmm. And it shows the complexity of America and the abortion thing in particular, the idea that a man of the cloth would be for the right to choose. That's right. Against yeah. Herschel Walker, a Trump acolyte mm-hmm. who himself had forced women to seek abortions. Mm-hmm. It's an extraordinary country in that respect, isn't it? Yeah, it's a, and, and abortion, of course, is a very complicated issue. Raphael Warnock, the Democratic uh, incumbent, he describes himself as a pro-choice pastor and, yes. in fact, has been very emphatic in his uh, defense of abortion rights. Herschel Walker denies those allegations that you've just outlined, but there are, are as you say, two separate allegations that he facilitated or paid for abortions for for women um, with whom he was involved. So obviously he's very open to the charge of hypocrisy and, you know, whether he's telling the truth or not. I mean, he's, he's very he's very open to the belief among some people that he's, that he's lying. Um, just briefly to the point about the importance of the Georgia race, I would say you're quite right in saying that it is, in fact, likely that that will determine control of the Senate. Because yes. of those three seats that I mentioned, uh, Democrats are ahead in uh, Arizona, which has not been called. Uh, Mark Kelly is the senator there. But they're behind in Nevada, uh, where an incumbent Democratic senator, Catherine Cortez Masto, the first Latina senator in American history, is behind. Anyway, if those two races went as they appear to be going, you would have uh, Republicans with a 50-49 lead with Georgia to be decided. But remember, a 50-50 Senate is a Democratic-controlled Senate by virtue of the vice president having the deciding vote. Yes, and to explain fully the idea of the runoff in Georgia, a runoff is required when neither candidate reaches 50%. That's the rule, isn't it? That, that's right. And it's, a, and it's a ruling that is specific to Georgia. Most states don't have that law. But in Tuesday's election, there was a libertarian candidate by the name of Chase Oliver, who got about 2% of the vote. And that was sufficient to hold both Warnock and Walker below the 50% mark and therefore uh, generate a runoff. It's that time of the year. Your vacation is coming up. You can already hear the beach waves, feel the warm breeze, relax, and think about work. You really, really want it all to work out while you're away. Monday.com gives you and the team that peace of mind. When all work is on one platform and everyone's in sync, things just flow. Wherever you are, tap the banner to go to Monday.com. Many of us have those stubborn pounds that seem impossible to lose, no matter how good we eat or how hard we work out. My solution is Plush Care. Plush Care is a leading telehealth provider with doctors who are there for you day and night to partner with you in your weight loss journey. They can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wagovi and Zepbound for those who qualify. Plus, they accept most insurance plans. To get started, visit plushcare.com slash weight loss. That's plushcare.com slash weight loss. Hey, Dave. Yeah, Randy. Since we founded Bombas, we've always said our socks, underwear, and T-shirts are super soft. Any new ideas? Maybe sublimely soft. Or disgustingly cozy. Wait, what? I got it. 
Bombas, absurdly comfortable essentials for yourself and for those facing homelessness. Because one purchased equals one donated. Wow, did we just write an ad? Yes. Bombas, big comfort for everyone. Go to bombas.com slash ACAST and use code ACAST for 20% off your first purchase. Hey there, it's Michelle Norris. I'm host of a podcast called Your Mama's Kitchen. When I travel, I'm usually looking for a way to find a taste of home when I'm not at home. And one of the things I love to do when I am at home is entertain. And Airbnb allows me to do that. When I was in California recently, I rented a house that had a great kitchen. And when we were sitting around the table, we're all thinking, we're in someone else's house. Someone could be in all of our homes as well. If you have a home, but you're not always at home, you have an Airbnb. Your home might be worth more than you think. Find out how much at airbnb.com slash host. Now, Joe Biden, President Joe Biden, appeared live on U.S. television last night. He spoke for over an hour, much of the time, taking questions from journalists. He was in in good form. This is seen as a very, very good result for Joe Biden and for the Democrats. And the person who lost most on the night, it would appear, is Donald Trump. Mm. Ron DeSantis won the governor's race by 20 points in Florida, as I said earlier. And he now may well assume the leadership of the Republican Party. And certainly, if there is to be a challenge from the Republican Party for the next presidential election in 2024, DeSantis seems better placed than Trump. There's a particularly strident attack on Trump in today's Wall Street Journal, which we know has the distinction of being owned by Rupert Murdoch, who also owns Fox <laughs> Fox News, which is right. it looks like he's attacking a monster he created. Sure. But the Wall Street Journal is a serious newspaper. Mm. It's taken very seriously, particularly I would have thought by the kind of donors Trump would be looking at. But tell us the Trump story, Niall, why he is coming out of this so badly mm-hmm. and why it may terminally damage his presidential ambitions, which he's promised to announce next Tuesday in Mar-a-Lago. So essentially the problem for Trump is many of the most high-profile candidates whom he endorsed or backed lost or are behind. Um, Now, that is particularly striking among those candidates who, I would say, closely embraced his false theories about election fraud. So to take a couple of examples, Doug Mastriano, who was running to be governor of Pennsylvania, got thrashed by the Democrat there, Josh Shapiro. Um, There's another candidate who Trump endorsed fairly late in the game, Don Baldick, who was running for Senate in New Hampshire. Baldick had at one stage endorsed uh, Trump's false claims and got beaten again quite heavily by a Democratic senator, Maggie Hassan. More broadly, Eamon, I think the issue here is the fear or belief among some Republicans that Trump's impact generally has harmed their electability. There is a long tradition 
of the party in power losing seats in the first midterm elections. Yes. Republicans could hardly have had a more favorable political landscape in which to run than they do this year. Yes. High inflation, unpopular president, various other problems that you outlined. In that climate, to have such mediocre results as the Republicans have had is a problem. And a lot of the blame is being uh, pushed upon Trump. Just briefly to finish that point, Eamon, because you mentioned DeSantis in Florida, and that is an important race to mention. That 20-point victory by Ron DeSantis is pretty remarkable. This is a, uh, a state that was considered a, a, a true battleground until very, very recently. I mean, Trump carried it by three points against Biden. And yeah. DeSantis himself was elected the first time around in 2018 by less than a point. So for DeSantis to win there by 20 points, he and his backers honestly couldn't have hoped for a better result in terms of proving his electability. And he is now clearly the biggest threat to Trump if they both go for the 2024 Republican nomination. Yes, and it's worth pointing out, maybe, Niall, that the Democrat DeSantis defeated, mm. Charlie Crist, is a former governor of the state. And a former Republican, as it happens. But yes, he, yes. he switched party, but he is a former governor, yes. And the other fact that's emerging appears to be that Trump is a turnoff for many Republicans and a, a turnoff for the roughly 40% of people in the United States who describe themselves as independent. Mm. So he is doing serious damage by embracing another guy, a, a TV doctor called Mehmet Oz, mm. who sounds a bit, a bit rinky-dink. Herschel <laughs> Walker, who is going to be in the runoff, yeah. a former American football player who mm. has had a colorful mm. past. But by endorsing all of these wackos, mm. he's branding the Republican Party in a way as the home of wackos. Yeah, I mean, and it's really dangerous to nominate these kinds of people. I mean, Herschel Walker has a whole troublesome personal history where he has been accused of domestic abuse, and then he has said that he had mental illness, which he, he says he has recovered from and all of that. Okay, you know, life's complicated. People have complicated personal histories. But when Herschel Walker has been asked about, you know, legitimate political issues like climate change, for example, the answers he has given have been completely bizarre. I mean, it doesn't mean, it's not even a question of being a climate change denier or believer. It's just like off the wall stuff. Trump is perceived to have endorsed Walker primarily because. Trump is impressed by his fame from his footballing career, and he was a very famous uh, footballer, a running yes. back for the, initially the University of Georgia and later the Dallas Cowboys. Um, but Trump's propensity to do that or to endorse Mehmet Oz, who was once a, a very respected doctor and then is perceived to have sort of leaned more and more into kind of quackery over the years, yes. um, has been a, a real problem. And uh, Mehmet Oz lost one of the most important Senate races in the nation, maybe maybe the most important, to John Fetterman, the Democrat. And the reason that was particularly vital was it flipped a seat. That seat had been held by a Republican senator who is retiring, Pat Toomey. So Fetterman beating Oz, beating the Trump-endorsed Oz, gave the Democrats one extra seat. Yes, and it's worth pointing out that Fetterman suffered a stroke mm. not too long ago and is still not entirely well. There is another example from Ohio, I think, 
where the incumbent Republican and Trump critic Mike DeWine beat his Democratic challenger in the governor's race by 26 points. Mm. So there is now sort of almost irrefutable evidence that Trump may be a liability to the Republican Party that they can't afford to indulge anymore. And the other thing is he came out with a rather lame, all these names he came out with last time to undermine or deride his rivals for the Republican nomination for the presidency. And he indeed, he calls President Biden Sleepy Joe. And I think he called the Bush brother low energy. That's right. Low energy Jeb Bush and all that. Low energy Jeb. Now he come out with calling DeSantis Ron the Sanctimonious. Mm. That really isn't too smart. No. We're talking here really about the future, not just of the United States of America. We're talking about the future of the world. Mm. I mean, it, and I want to ask you about the problem for Biden in supporting Ukraine. Mm-hmm in committing the amounts of money that he's committed, the arms that he's committed. If the Congress, the House of Representatives, is controlled by the man (laughs) Donald Trump calls his Kevin, that's Mm -hmm. Kevin McCarthy, if he's the Speaker Mm -hmm. of the House of Representatives, can it hinder Joe Biden's ability as president to give the unqualified support. Well, not unqualified. There are things he's refused Ukraine as well. But the the strong support he's he's given, do they control the budget, in Mm. other words? Basically, yes, is the answer. I mean, the House of Representatives essentially controls the budget or could certainly thwart uh, Biden's wishes in that regard. In relation to Ukraine, there is some evidence not just among Republican elected officials, but among among Republican voters, that they are becoming more skeptical of aid to Ukraine. Yes. Now, McCarthy gave a sort of uh, equivocal or fudgy interview just before the midterms in which he suggested that it wasn't about cutting off aid to Ukraine. It was about uh, more accountability as to exactly what the money was being spent on. But in doing that, he was in a way... Um, positioning himself to make uh, to to hold the loyalty of people who would not necessarily be instinctively loyal to him people on the far right of the Republican party figures like Marjorie Taylor Greene and others who have been uh, very skeptical of aid to Ukraine it is clearly the case that the congressional Republican party is more skeptical i'm not saying they're anti ukraine but there is greater skepticism about support for Ukraine among those Trumpy Republicans than there is among even the left wing of the Democratic Party, honestly, except for the absolute most left, most fringes. Is Kevin McCarthy my Kevin, as Donald calls him? Is he sure to be the Speaker when the House assembles in January? He's not. Even if Republicans hold the majority, that is not necessarily certain. It's an odd thing, the election for Speaker. What you need is a a majority of all House members voting. So Democrats would probably vote for Nancy Pelosi, I presume, as long as she wants the job and they would have a certain number of votes. The point I'm making is if McCarthy is to be Speaker, he will need almost every Republican to vote 
for him. Right. And that is not guaranteed. He has made moves toward the right. He has been much, you know, very um, sort of craven, honestly, toward toward Trump for the past couple of years. And that is partly, I think, to try to secure his position if Republicans, as is likely but not certain, have a small majority in the House. That tide, though, that Trump tide mm. appears to be going out. Well, I mean, that's the, the, thing. the Wall yeah. Street Journal today, mm-hmm. the Financial Times describing Trump as the gift that keeps on giving for Joe Biden. Mm-hmm. And the sort of, well, it's empirical evidence now that he damages the party and its candidates, and he is no longer, I would suggest to you, well, I'm asking you really now because mm-hmm. you know much more than me, he's no longer, is he, the must-have man for the Republican Party, the magic man who can do everything and can lead the party. Mm-hmm. Given the, the rise of Ron DeSantis in particular, mm-hmm. with his lovely wife and children mm-hmm. on the stage, mm-hmm. a hard right man, mm-hmm. but not an upbag. Sure, sure. Well, I mean, I think there's a couple of things there. In terms of the empirical evidence about Trump, I think you're quite right that that is there. Now, one thing I would say as a sort of cautionary note on that is I remember, obviously, the 2016 campaign and the kind of Wall Street Journal type of Republicans, sort of big business, intellectual Republicans, they essentially thought, this is terrible that we've nominated Trump, but he will make us unelectable, he'll get hammered in 2016, and then the more sane voices will prevail. And obviously, none of that happened. And so Trump's win in 2016 um, essentially gave what seemed at the time like evidence that his very inflammatory uh, and, and often, frankly, xenophobic approach to things like immigration, there was actually a bigger audience for it than people had thought. Now, that's not to deny that the evidence on Tuesday is that he is now harming uh, the Republican Party, and I don't think there's any doubt about that. The question is, will that evidence percolate to the Republican primary electorate, where he still has a good deal of support? On DeSantis, briefly, Eamon, I mean, the appeal of DeSantis is that he espouses many pretty hard-right beliefs but that he does not have the kind of sometimes self-defeating buffoonery elements that Trump sometimes does. So DeSantis, I mean, if if you wanted to talk about DeSantis from a a liberal or democratic perspective, he's in some ways a more dangerous character than Trump is, uh, but also a more able one in terms of the business of politics, I would say. And complete, but he wouldn't, there'd be no pussygate tape, would there? Right. No, there there wouldn't. Or any of that stuff, which it is said, Niall, can you verify this, that Trump puts off an awful lot of women with that Mm. kind of stuff Mm -hmm. and an awful lot of, you know, Republicans who would be decent people. Mm -hmm. And the the longer the January 6th story runs and it's still running Mm -hmm. and evidence of what happened that day continues to shock that all of that baggage, and maybe this week demonstrated to some extent, is beginning to inflict damage on the Republican Party. Yeah, I think that is true. I mean, this has always been the fear among Trump-skeptical Republicans, which is that particularly for 
you know, women in the suburbs are seen as a classic sort of swing vote block in this country. You know, people who are not political extremists on one side or the other and want the business of government to be got on with in a somewhat efficient, reasonable manner. There's always been the uh, suspicion or more than suspicion that Donald Trump turns those people off. That evidence was ignorable when he was... uh, winning in 2016 or coming surprisingly close, at least in the Electoral College in 2020. Now that you're having Republicans lose their seats or failing to gain seats that are winnable, I think those questions are much sharper and much sharper, certainly in the minds of Republican um, elected officials who are now looking at their own careers and thinking, is there some way to get uh, away from this guy or to neutralize the damaging effects that he does now appear to be having. And just before the Florida governor's election that DeSantis won by 20 points, mm. Trump appeared to threaten DeSantis. He warned mm. the Florida governor, and I'm quoting, that he could, quote, hurt himself very badly if he entered the race for the Republican nomination. And yet it does seem that DeSantis is looking in that direction. It does, and he would clearly have significant support. In that quote that you just mentioned, Trump went on to sort of insinuate that he knew things about DeSantis, I think on a personal level or about his past, that he would expose if DeSantis ran. Now, I've no idea whether that's true or whether that's just a kind of standard Trumpian intimidatory tactic. But I think, you know, between the threats and the nicknaming and all of that, I know that that's Trump being Trump in a sense, trying to be the sort of dominant character and trying to deride or belittle would-be opponents. But to your point, Eamon, I do think it shows that he is concerned about the threat that DeSantis poses to his own 2024 ambitions. Now, a final question. What does he do next Tuesday at the promised Mar-a-Lago press conference where he has teased that he will make an announcement that will take the world's breath away. Well, or something, well, something like that. Well, this is the big question. I mean, clearly it was assumed that that was going to be an announcement of his candidacy. But the other thing that was assumed was that he would be making such an announcement with the tailwind of a strong Republican performance yes. in these midterms. That has just disappeared. And in fact, the wind appears to be blowing in the opposite direction. It would be very unlike Trump to back down, but whether he might delay slightly or make some other teasing announcement, we we just don't know. I have, you know, covered him for years now, and we have spoken about him for years, and predicting what he will do in any given situation is still a bit of a fool's errand, but it'll, uh, it'll give us something to talk about next time, at least, Damon. Would it be fair to say, finally, Niall, that the results this week have, as you say, suggested that the luster may be coming off and he is not, as you suggest, an asset that he was thought to be. I think I think that is fair. Now, he has been counted out many, many times before and has always come back. But if you simply look at the results on Tuesday, it does seem to indicate a waning of his appeal and a problem with his effects on the Republican Party. Whether that rules him out or pushes him off into the 
into the twilight, I'm more doubtful about, but the evidence is certainly toward that uh, loss of luster that you mentioned. But just in case, we won't write him off. <laughs> no, I don't oh. think so. We'd be wise not to. <laughs> okay, now we're very grateful to you, Niall Stanich, Associate Editor of The Hill and a great contributor to our understanding of American politics and something that will become very, very important in the weeks and months ahead. We're grateful to Niall, to all of you for listening. That's all we have time for now. We'll talk to you soon. Even when we're on a budget, we still deserve nice things. Quince is a place to scoop up stunning high-end goods for 50 to 80% less than similar brands. They have buttery soft cashmere sweater starting at $50 luxurious Italian leather bags, and so much more. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. Get the high-end goods you'll love without the high price tag with Quince. Go to quince.com style for free shipping and 365-day returns.